Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Very good morning to you. This is Morning Shot. I'm Lin Li. China's President Xi Jinping struck an easy tone in his recent meeting with former U.S. top diplomat Henry Kissinger, saying that old friends like him will never be forgotten. Although Mr. Kissinger's surprise trip to Beijing is a private one, his visit comes at a time as the two superpowers embark on a challenging journey to stop their relations already at historic lows from sinking further. It also comes amid a flurry of visits by top U.S. officials to China. Now, for a deeper look at this, we're joined by Associate Professor Chong Jia-in from the Department of Political Science at the National University of Singapore. Good morning, Professor. Good morning, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Welcome to the show. Now, the contrast in terms of reception was really striking, wasn't it? Between the warmth on display at the Diao Yutai State Guesthouse with Kissinger compared to the perhaps chillier atmosphere at the Great Hall of the People where US officials met with their counterparts. What do you make of the timing of Mr. Kissinger's visit and the reception he received from top Chinese officials, including President Xi himself? So it's, I think it's not just the timing, but also the fact that you see um, the visit being highly publicized. I think the point there is to demonstrate a contrast uh, between the official relationship between the PRC and the U.S. and what could be. And I suppose that represents, uh, that's represented by uh, Kissinger and you know, the opening and all that. So I think that's the r- real key message with the optics. Hmm. So how much weight do you think Mr. Kissinger's visit will have on the mending of freight ties between U.S. and China? I'm afraid that the optics are great, but it really doesn't have uh, much substance. I mean, uh, Henry Kissinger at this point doesn't represent the U.S. government. I think you've seen U.S. government officials say, well, it's a, it's a private visit, however much the PRC tries to play it up. And secondarily, I think Kissinger perhaps represents a different time in the U.S.-China relationship. Uh, One that is past, perhaps, the Chinese, the PRC side pines for, but I think is no longer the present. Okay, so what is it you think China is looking for in the U.S. when it comes to talks or meetings? So I suppose they're looking for a more compromise on on the U.S. side, perhaps a less strident, uh, in their view, less strident uh, U.S. position. But, you know, the U.S. have a lot more differences with the PRC at this point. They both have a lot of differences with each other. So we have to understand the context on the sort of opening where both the U.S. and the the PRC previously had a lot to agree on. So the context has shifted. Mm. So, you know, I'm going to veer off a little bit to talk about Chinese Foreign Minister Qing Gang, who has not been seen in public since June 25th. And since then, China has avoided mentioning his name uh, to the US in state media reports and briefing transcripts, at least according to news reports. Beijing has sent stand-ins to international diplomatic events. What do you make of this, his absence and the impact this might have on US-China relations? So I think it shows a couple of things. One is the general opacity and arbitrariness of the PRC system. No one has any idea what has happened to Qingang. There's been a lot of rumors, none of them verified. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. The other is that the signal that sends out is, you know, 
If you are going to make any arrangement uh, with the PRC, it seems that these sort of party interests will trump individual personalities. They will trump um, any sense of due process. So if you're a business or if you're a country that wants to have some arrangement with China, the question will be, well, to what degree will they hold up their end of the bargain should things change for them domestically? Hmm. So Chinese state media also further stoked speculation, right? They announced yesterday that there'll be a rare meeting today, actually, to discuss topics including official appointments and removals. Isn't that uh, a bit suspicious that uh, coming at a critical geopolitical juncture that and the absence of this minister? Right. So there's a lot of speculation over what the meeting is about um, and whether this has to do with uh, Qinggang. But, you know, it, it's also quite curious because I think for systems that are perhaps more open, who that have a little bit more emphasis on uh, due process, you would know what potential uh, charges or problems a, a political official might be facing, uh, rather than to have this speculation about whether it's a purge, uh, whether it is mm. a result of infighting. Okay, let's go back to Mr. Kissinger's uh, visit. Now, he played a key role in helping to normalize ties between Washington and Beijing back in the 1970s. That's when he served as Secretary of State and National Security Advisor in the administrations of Presidents Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. While he remains a highly esteemed figure in China, you know, President Xi called him an old friend, what more can he do at this point, given that he's no longer a diplomat? Right. So there are two things to remember. I think Kissinger and also Nixon, who was president then uh, for the first opening, is seen as this sort of big, you know, people who brought the big breakthrough in uh, U.S.-China ties, which is true. However, they were in a, operated in a context where the U.S. wanted to get out of Vietnam. The PRC wanted support in its rivalry with the Soviet Union. So that sort of context allowed for a meeting and compromises to happen. We're not in that world anymore. Um, and Kissinger, personally, since leaving um, government service, he's uh, you know worked for many companies, in particular to sort of bring contact with uh, with the PRC. So today, I mean, there's a lot of question around his own business interests mm. and where he actually stands. So it's a very different uh, Kissinger and different world we're talking about. Okay, among the many issues that the two countries are at loggerheads uh, about would be Ukraine, Taiwan and trade curbs. Is there any one issue you feel has a bit more leeway to be solved first? Uh, I also put climate there. So, um, I know all these things seem very difficult. I think the most difficult, rather than say where there's leeway, the <laughs> least leeway is um, is probably uh, Taiwan, where we're probably looking at deterrence. The others, um, I don't think there's much give, but there may be sort of smaller, sort of tactical kinds of things that the two sides can trade on. Okay, and from your perspective, if one side has to back down just a little in order to see any headway. Who would do it first, China or the U.S.? Ah, so today we're in a bit of a game of chicken. Uh, <laughs> the point is for both sides to show that they don't want to back down, to see how long they can stay the course before the other side uh, you know, makes a move. So the reason why things are tense and we're not seeing any movement is precisely because neither side wants to back down. Mm. Okay, even though the official meetings in recent weeks have yet to yield tangible deals, can we see the renewed diplomacy as perhaps pointing to friendlier commercial conditions in the coming months? 
Right. So uh, there are two separate things. There's the commercial side and then there's the official side. On the official side, I mean, the contact, I think, has been positive in the sense that it shows communication. It shows a willingness to talk. That can at least help address on the strategic level, you know, potential for miscalculation. So that's sort of good, even though there's nothing tangible yet. On the commercial side, I think there is worry because the PRC side, for instance, have been uh, clamping down on foreign accounting companies, foreign consulting companies, which means to say that things like due diligence to get compliance in both PRC and outside of PRC for businesses that you know, need to handle both markets have become more difficult. So I think on the commercial side, things are a little bit trickier. But, you know, on the strategic level, there is a little bit of positivity, not a whole lot. So I think I might see those things as somewhat bifurcated. All right. Thanks for all your time today and your insights, Professor. Absolutely. Thank you. We've been speaking with Associate Professor Chong Jia-in from the Department of Political Science at the National University of Singapore. This is Morning Shot. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.